With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Good evening. Going back. Thank you. Well, good evening to me, too. Wow. That's okay. That's okay. We are in the midst of a struggle. Does it feel like you're in the midst of a struggle right now? Some days you feel it more than others. Some days we're just looking for the strength to wake up and go on and do what we need to do day to day. We're in the midst of a struggle. And these words are written by the Apostle Paul. He knows our struggle. Our struggle is not just for motivation. Our struggle is so much bigger than that. It's to be the people that God has called us to be. And what the Apostle Paul does here in this passage is he tells us our calling is like being a soldier in the army of the Lord. So we're going to look into that right now. That God is our commander and that we have responsibilities. It's a high calling. First, I want to notice something here in this passage. A word that the Apostle Paul uses four different times. I'll bring it up again and again. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then. And then he goes on into the armor we are to put on. I'll adjust this a little more. In order to stand in this struggle, we are struggling. And this struggle is like in a wrestling match. In Paul's time, there were gladiatorial matches. Some of these involved wrestling. It was a kind of wrestling that wasn't like the WWE that we see on TV or UFC. It was a fight to the death. What they did was they spread oil all over their bodies, very different time. And these men would fight trying to gouge out the other's eyes with their thumbs. It was either kill or be killed. This makes our struggle real. So if we're in a struggle, if we're in a fight to the death, we need to know who our enemy is. And we need to know how to fight our enemy. We need to stand 
And this is what I'll be talking about in this message. We need to stand knowing that our struggle is against the devil, not against flesh and blood, not against any human being. We stand knowing the struggle is real. We stand knowing that the devil takes minds captive to fight against us. And we need to keep on guard for our own. We stand knowing that we can easily be taken captive ourselves. We fight using the word of God wisely. And we fight by being constantly in prayer. So first, we need to remember that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. When we're suffering, it is so easy to think about the person who is making us suffer. In our pride, once we identify that person, that can turn to anger against this person. Or sometimes if, if we say that, yeah, I'm the person who's responsible for my suffering, that could turn into despair, that can turn into self-pity. None of that is helpful. Why is none of that helpful? Because even though people may be involved, our enemy is the devil. And if we don't recognize that, we're hurting ourselves and we're hurting others. Our minds are being taken captive by the devil. The apostle calls us to realize that our real struggle is not against flesh and blood. He's saying that there are powers of this dark world and spiritual forces of evil that want to make us believe that our real enemies are other human beings. When we believe that our fight is against other humans, what will we do? What happens when we believe that our main fight is against other human beings? Here's a few things we'll do. We'll dehumanize them. We'll think that these people are less worthy of God's grace and love than I am. We'll see ourselves as the people who get to decide whom God is merciful to. We'll also find ways to show that we're better than them. Maybe that we're smarter than them. Maybe that we're really good and they're bad. That we are on the correct side in a cosmic battle between good and evil and the person who offended us is clearly on the other side. We'll also believe that they somehow belong to a people group that is outside God's love and God's grace. And even worse, what we'll do when we think that the main struggle is against other human beings, if we believe that our main struggle is against flesh and blood, we'll start identifying ourselves, not by who we are in relation to God, but we'll find other identity markers and use that as a division between us and others. That may be something like a political leaning. That may be something like our skin color or nationality. That may be where we live or where we grew up. It may be our upbringing. We'll find other factors. We'll even make up identity markers to say, I'm good and they are not. That person is not. This is why it's so important to recognize that our main struggle is not against flesh and blood. We have differences, and God makes sure there are differences so that he can show his amazing creativity and grace in making people different, so that we can learn to love people who are different. But you might be thinking now, okay, okay, Dave, 
If you're saying our main struggle is not against flesh and blood, there are real people who have hurt me. There are real people who have wronged me. And you're right. The struggle is real. And there are real people responsible for our hurt. And we've been responsible for others as well. The struggle is real, but Paul knows that. He even wrote one time to another pastor, Timothy. He wrote, and I'll quote here, Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. We need to see, even in the fiercest conflict, even we are, when we are tempted the most to be angry and judge the other, to let the specter of who they are control our feelings. That even that person who may have harmed us may have been taken captive by the devil to do his will. How do we treat captives? Do we hurt them? No. We recognize that they're a captive. We want them to be rescued from that. And that can't be done without forgiveness. Forgiveness isn't easy, and I don't pretend to say that it is, but forgiveness involves recognizing that there is a real wrong that has taken place. Forgiveness can't happen otherwise. There are real people who have hurt us, but we have to recognize still that the devil has taken people captive to do his will. Now we're going to get into how we fight, how we defend ourselves and how we fight. So our struggle, first, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the devil. Now what defenses do we have and what attack do we have? We're getting into this now. When soldiers are at war, they want to set the captives free. When we want to set the captives free, setting the captives free are their people on our side that have been taken captive by the enemy. They're what we call prisoners of war. We don't attack prisoners of war. We want to rescue prisoners of war. But in our cosmic battle that's happening right now and that we're involved in every day, that people who are taken prisoners of war, the devil poisons their minds or our minds so that we fight against other people. Paul is reminding us that there is a cosmic battle. That's what a mind taken captive is and we need to stand on guard against this every day. So if right now you have enmity against another person or another people group that stirs up anger or pride or despair or even self-pity in yourself, then you've been taken captive by the devil to do his will. And we need to be on guard against that. Among the defenses that Paul mentions is the shield of faith. Now I want to explain this to you. The shield of faith is the size of a door. It's like a small door. This is what a Roman soldier had. And this shield was rectangular and it was so big that all you had to do was kneel behind it so that you wouldn't be hit by arrows that would come your way. That's how large this door is. Paul calls this shield 
the door-sized shield. He calls it the shield of faith. And what's faith? Faith is simply believing what God says. And it's so easy to doubt that when conflict comes. And we talked about, sorry, we talked about our stand. We talked about our defense. Our defense is belief, and there are many other pieces of the armor of God which are excellent to go into. I do not have the time to go into that today, but that is our defense. Paul also moves on to our attack. He moves on and he says, the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. So what is the sword and how do we use it? I know we often call the, the Bible the Word of God. Paul is using that phrase in a, in a more specific sense here. There's a verse in Proverbs that says, there's a word that's spoken in due season. Sometimes people are saying Bible passages to you and they just don't make sense. Like they're using it out of context, context and it just doesn't make sense to you. They might be using the word of God, but it's not the spoken and active and appropriate word of God for that season. This is what Paul is talking about right now. The applied word of God. Or sometimes... People uh, uh, can use the Word of God, and maybe, maybe we've done it, and you and I have done it. We use the Word of God, but we really do it to justify ourselves or to control other people. And this can happen often. This can happen frequently. Yes, it is the Word of God, but it can be used as a weapon against others, against other human beings, and not against the devil to help us save people from captivity. It takes wisdom to use a sword wisely. If you're using a sword and you don't go through training every single day to use it well, you'll make mistakes. You might hurt yourself. You might cut yourself. You may cut others you don't mean to. It could be devastating. So we need to train ourselves in sword combat every day, individually and with others. Paul says, train yourselves to be godly. Train ourselves to handle the word. Because when we do, we can fight as a soldier who is handling our sword well. And if we don't train, what will happen? We can easily be taken advantage of. So the only piece of this armor that's an offense, that's an attack, is the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. But where is the strength that we get to fight? It's not just any sword. Remember, it's the sword of the Spirit. We can choose our own weapons and fight others, and we have. It doesn't turn out well. The sword of the Spirit is a sword that's activated by what the Spirit says. The way we practice being in the Spirit is being in prayer. Paul says here, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. 
Praying is how we remain strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Prayer is simply communication with God, who's our commander in this army. If you're not listening to the commander of an army and you're a soldier, what's going to happen? You won't be going out in battle formation with the army. You'll pick another battle that doesn't matter. You'll wander off. Heck, you may even be captured by the enemy. We need that constant communication with our commander. And that's prayer. Paul says, with this in mind, always keep on praying for the Lord's people. I need prayer. And after, after every service, we always invite anyone who wants to come to us for prayer. Let me tell you, if you don't think you need prayer, I need prayer. <laughs> come and pray for me. I welcome that. There are four different types of prayer, and I know this could be another sermon, so I'll just talk about it briefly. Four different types of prayer is remembering who God is, thanking God for who He is, asking for forgiveness, and asking God to meet our needs. I don't expect you to remember that, but earlier we just spoke the prayer that starts, Our Father who art in heaven, when the disciples asked Jesus how to pray, that is the prayer he used. Our Father, we recognize who God is. Hallowed be your name. We thank God for who he is. Forgive us our sins. We recognize who we are. Deliver us from evil. We have requests for God. Being in prayer is the strength we need. And just as we train with our sword, both individually and together, prayer is something we can practice individually and together too. So as we remember, our struggle, it's not against flesh and blood. It's not against each other. We need to stand strong in the Lord with our defenses up so that we won't hit, be hit by the fiery arrows of the evil one. We have to remember to train in the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and we need to remember to pray and have that constant communication of God so that we won't be derelict of duty. If you don't stand, take heed lest you fall. But let me tell you, if you do stand, you will be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You will find healing. Your life will become closer and closer to a life like Jesus and fulfill the calling that God has called us to. So now we pray, keeping all these things in mind. All-powerful God, we thank you for a time we're able to consume your word here before we consume your food. We forget what you have commanded us so easily, but you give us grace to remember that we can still pursue the noble calling to which you have called us. We pray for everyone you have called, asking you to free the captives from a demonic mindset 
which tells us to be against people rather than against Satan. Let us stand knowing against whom we struggle. Let us train in the word of God so that we may use the sword of the Spirit wisely. And let us remember to pray so that we may hear your voice and know you hear us. Now in the strong and mighty name of our commander Jesus, we ask these things. Amen.